television is where all the big risks are being taken, where the most exciting work is happening. And this is a festival that celebrates that. Finally, there's an independent avenue for people who want to just go into the TV business. It's just wonderful to have an outlet for all of the creativity that's happening in television and in new digital media right now. The fact that there's this, there's Series Fest, which allows you to put it in front of an audience and gives you a platform to put it out there. Like that's the most impactful thing as artists that we can ever hope for. Hi, I'm Randy Kleiner. And I'm Kaylee Smith-Westbrook. As the co-founders of Series Fest, we welcome you to Breaking In, a Series Fest podcast. In 2015, Series Fest began its mission to champion and empower artists at the forefront of episodic storytelling by providing year-round opportunities for creators and industry experts to connect, collaborate, and share stories. We are thrilled to expand our mission with this podcast as we talk to working professionals in television and gain insight, advice, and hear their journey of breaking in. On today's episode, I'm speaking with writer, director, producer, and actor Emil Pinnock. Originally from Harlem, New York, Emil has been active in the film industry for over 20 years. As a writer-director, Emil has led over 10 projects, including his breakout independent series, Up North, which premiered at Series Fest Season 3 and took home Best Actor, Best Director, Best Drama, and the Audience Award. After Series Fest, Emil went on to sell the Up North pilot to Byron Allen's Entertainment Studios and also received an additional seven-episode series order. He, along with his production company, Unleashing Giant Studios, now have production deals at Blumhouse Productions, Entertainment Studios, Radar Pictures, and Atmosphere Entertainment, including others. Hello, Emil. Hey, what's How up? are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Kelly? Good. It's so good to see you. Thank Likewise. you for doing this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Appreciate it. Looking forward to this. Of course. Well, you have been such a huge supporter of Series Fest since you originally submitted Up North and have come back to speak multiple times because you have such an amazing story, which I've had the privilege of hearing before. Right. Your experience from submitting to Series Fest and, and selling Up North and everything you've done since has been absolutely incredible. So I actually thought maybe we would just start back at the beginning absolutely um, <laughs> and tell everyone um you know about you and about up north and and your experience creating your first independent pilot absolutely absolutely it's funny that you say that because i re I, I don't really talk go back as much so like even when you were like mention some of the things like a part of the journey i'm like wow you know it's, it's it seems like it was just so short ago, but then also sometime really long ago because of all the things that have like kind of transpired since then. So I would love to um, go down memory lane a little bit because that was uh, obviously a really important time in our life. But and once again, thanks for having me. So of course, yeah, I guess I guess the journey as a writer, producer, director, obviously, like you said, uh, started with Up North. And for those people who may be listening in who don't know, Up North is an independent pilot um, that we created loosely based on my real life experience of being a teenager and arrested in New York City for a crime that I did not commit, which was the possession of two firearms. Um, the short story of that was uh, on my birthday, actually on my 19th birthday, July 2nd, uh, me and five other friends were hanging out and going to a party to celebrate. We had a, a really good time. We enjoyed ourselves. And then we were inside of a car on our way back to our community where we're from. And we got pulled over by a car. Um, they immediately pulled us out stopped us, searched us, saw that we had nothing, and they let us go. So we thought it was just going to be a normal stop and frisk, and we were on our way home. 
about 12 minutes into that ride home, we realized that we were being followed by the same police officers. Immediately, my friend Gary says, hey, is that the same guy? We look back, we realized it was the same people, and we started to panic because there was no reason they should have been following us. And at this time, we were really in an isolated environment. And so we tried to head as fast as we could uh, back to a, a more populated street or avenue. Um, and before we could do that, they pulled us over, took us out again, threw us on the floor, and arrested us. I remember going to the precinct, and I, I think you might have heard me say this before, but I remember like the worst we thought we were being arrested for was like not pulling over as soon as the police said to pull over. Hmm. So like that was like worst case scenario. And our mom was like, is there like an evading police, you know, charge or something like some misdemeanor? And then maybe like about two hours into, hour and a half, two hours into our stay inside the Century Bookings, we realized that we were being arrested for the possession of two firearms, two guns that we did not have. Obviously, the police didn't find these guns the first time. So what magically happened in 12 minutes? I'm not sure. And so... Unfortunately for us, we were six kids, um, you know, from the community that grew up in poverty or primarily and didn't have the money to bail out immediately. So we were sent to um, various jails. Some of us, Queens Detention Center, the other one of us, Rackers Island, which is all both of those part of the New York City jail um, correctional system. So we were all inside of that system until we went to the grand jury. And Fortunately for us, you know, not many um, black and brown young brothers from the city are able to say that. But when we went to our grand jury, we were found not guilty um, and the law did work in our favor and we were one of the lucky ones. And so we were released. And since that day, I had always wanted to tell a bit of that story. At that time, I was only I was only like working as an actor, very small. I wasn't like even like a working actor at that time. I was just coming in and out of different parts, had some really cool parts and different things like that. But but by far no way a working actor by any stretch of it, um, but decided to kind of get on the back end of the camera and go behind it and wanted to tell the story. And so we um, got on a journey to kind of tell the story and it took us a really long time to do that. But fortunately we found a really good investor, Louis Ariola, who took a shot on a young guy like me who you know, didn't have much experience behind the camera, but I think he saw my passion, my commitment to tell this story. I wanted to get it to the world. And it wasn't like that I wanted to tell people what happened to me. It was that yeah. I saw that this was happening to a lot of young people there. And for me to be one, I remember the day I went to the grand jury, I think it was like 15, 15 cases that were being seen that day. And maybe three after we were saw. So the 12 that went prior to me, all guilty. Wow. And so... And it wasn't just about that day. It was about kids that I was seeing there. I remember like that when we there was a night with me and my friend Black, who was my bunkie that was inside the same dorm that I was being held. We saw a guy try to commit suicide that, that the, the day before we went to our trial. Like this, this stuff has happened on a daily basis and people are not receiving proper justice. And so um, right. to be a part of the group that did receive it, there was like a commitment to want to like be able mm. to speak out against this. And the fact that I had a, a ability to do that, ability to do that because I was already in the arts and I was already, you know, acting and around directors and writers and producers, I felt compelled to to kind of be that voice to do that. And so that didn't happen easily. You know, at first you're like, oh, I got this idea. I'm about to raise this money. And you hear right. all the stories and you're like, oh, OK, um, my boy, Nate Parker, he had just did Birth of a Nation. And, and, and you know, our families were very close coming up and still are right, right now. And I, I was really inspired by him. He broke the record at Sundance that, you know, mm -hmm. right before we did up north. Um, and at that time, I think the record was like 17.5 million. And like to see somebody that not only that I knew, but somebody that was a man of color who I knew how difficult it was for him to raise that money to do it. I don't know. That just propelled me to be like, yo, I got next. Like Nate went 
And it was just like, and being around, seeing him do that. And, you know, there was a lot of things that just kind of really encouraged us. And so, like I said, we met our investor, um, raised about $400,000, Wow, that's a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the whole creative team, you know, me and Ian wrote the pilot script together. We, we got introduced by a friend who's a um, really, really great television writer. And she introduced us and we kind of went on the journey to be able to write that script together. And then we were like, what are we going to do? And I was like, man, I wish I could shoot this, uh, this pilot in the jail that I was housed in when I went through this. And so at first, that sounded like a crazy thing to be able to even think about. But because I had some connections while I was there that I still maintain outside and I was able to get connect with the right people. And shout out to Mr. McCall, who really um, who really helped me, who's a part of that system. You know, we speak often ill of the of the the, the judicial system and rightfully so. Um, but there are a few people that are against that system that are inside of it and trying to fight, you know, the oppression inside from the inside. And Mr. McCall is definitely one of those people. So I was able to sit with him. Um, and he welcomed me back inside of there. He he helped me out tremendously. I was a pain, a pain in his butt. I needed so much from him through that, through that process. But um, you know, I think it was good for him to see one of the people come back to do something positive. Mm. Um, often correctional officers and people there see people return frequently and it's not for anything good. And so if you are going to show up, and I think that's how they felt like if you got, if we are getting somebody to return here and they want to do something positive, we don't have a problem with the guys returning for negative. We, we lock those guys back up and we find it and we, we process them. So why don't we find a way to really promote this, this young guy and his team um, who was coming to do something? And so they did. And so we shot that pilot there and we we were happy that we nailed it. We got back to L.A. and we were like, wow, like we, this, this actually happened. We got it financed. We casted it. We shot it. We did all this different stuff. And then we looked at each other. We was like, all right, what are we going to do now? Because we don't know what the heck to do with this pilot. Everybody was telling us, like, don't do an independent television pilot. That's that's going to be the end of you. Shoot a feature film. At least you could distribute it on your own. There's different ways. But like, what do you do if nothing happens to this uh, independent television series. But we felt compelled that it was a series. Like we mm -hmm. had an opportunity to go make a feature film. I mean, you could, people are making feature film with less money than we make our independent pilot for. So that it, it was possible. Um, right. But we, we had a conviction that this was a television series and we wanted to do it that way. And I'm glad we stuck to our guns because obviously that led us to Series Fest. And we called you guys. And I remember when I first contacted you guys, like you guys were almost at the end of like choosing the uh, selections and you guys were like, it wasn't really much spots. And I was pleading with you guys. I was like, please, could you please just watch this, watch this pilot? If, if, no, if nothing else, just give me notes. I would love your feedback because you guys watch hundreds of pilots, you know, every year and you guys are yeah. like the, at the top of the list. And then you guys called back and were like, we were getting in and I couldn't believe it. I remember specifically, I remember the first time I watched Up North and I remember submissions were closed and we were yep. locking programming and yeah, you reached yeah. out and, you know, since we hadn't announced, we were, you know, able to watch and thrilled that we were able to premiere it because I it's know. not only such a powerful, incredible story, but it's so beautifully done. And uh, so I'm, I'm really thrilled we were able to you know, give you a platform to share Absolutely. your work. Absolutely. I appreciate that. And I mean, and that's the spirit of the independent, you know, filmmaker and, and te television creator is that like, you have to do things non-traditional, right? And, yeah. and, if, and if you embrace that, then that becomes your superpower. Because like the fact that I represented myself at that time, if I had an agent or manager, I don't know how much of them would have felt compelled or even had the humility even to want to even call up somebody and be like, please, could you do this? But when it's, when it's your baby and it's your career, 
and you and you are in control of those things as an independent creator, you're willing to go to those lengths. So like I was going to plead and beg y'all on that phone and do anything <laughs> that you could to get you guys to watch it because like I really wanted to um, to do that. And then I, the fact that you guys did it and responded to it, like when, I remember when we got invited to the festival, we we just was happy to be there. We were like, we didn't even think about awards. We were just like, yo, we got our thing in there. Yo, we just happy. Um, I remember we first got to Denver. It was, it was like about eight or nine of us and we didn't have much money to be there. And we have got one hotel room for all of us. And we went to Target in Denver and we had got a bunch of air mattresses. We got, I think it was like, it was like four air mattresses that we got. And then we had two, two queen beds in our room. So two dudes were sleeping on each bed. So that was four of us. And we were sleeping head to toe. And then the other <laughs> four were sleeping on the air mattresses. And then every day we would rotate. So we was like, look, we're gonna be here for five days. Some days you're going to get a bed. Some days you're going to be on the air mattress. We had like some little system that we were like, where we was like rotating every single day. And we had so much fun. I mean, like we was like, we was just so excited. Like even looking back now, I would be so like, you know, bougie to be like, oh man, I'm here with eight people. We was excited. We was like, had our little microwave and we were just like, dude, we're going to make it work. And um, it was just a brotherhood. We were just happy to go. And then we met you guys and then we had the screening. And then when we had the screening the first time, that's when we were like, oh, wow, we might actually have something. Because to be honest, when we told this story, we were like, people from our community are going to respond to this because they're losing a lot of people to the system. They are mm. getting charged with things that 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 they weren't uh, guilty of. And the pain that our, that our community goes through, we knew that it would resonate and that they would see themselves in the story. But what we didn't know is that we could go to Denver where the audience wasn't primarily African-Americans or Latinos, right? So we're going there like, how is this going to actually work? And that was that was a real eye-opener for us that this was a human story we were telling. This wasn't, this wasn't urban. It wasn't the Black Channel story. It wasn't this. Like, Series Fest really told us, like, we're telling a story, a human story that all people can look at and resonate with and have sympathy for and find their own faults in these different things and be able to have healthy conversation because... After that first screening, like people were crying, coming up mm. to us, talking about what happened. You know, some people were like, how do we change this? Like, how does this even happen to a young guy where he's just snatched off the street and he ends up in this? And I remember our, our panel after the first screening, it just kept going on and on. And like, it was like people just kept talking. And it was like almost to the point where you guys are like, like, we got to keep with the we program. Have, we, have right? another, yeah. we have another screening. Like, we got to get you out of the theater. Right. But yeah. I mean, for us, we was like, man, we walked back to that holiday and that we stayed out. We was like, yo, this is crazy. Like, yo, people like our stuff. And then we had the second screening and it was another similar experience. And then um, I'm not sure if it's the same this year, but the year we went there, mm -hmm. there was like a party before there was like a, the night before there was a party before the award ceremony. Um, and and it was like a closing event party that you guys, right. that you guys yeah. had before, before the award ceremony. And I remember we went there and people were like, yo, are y'all going to stage for the awards? And we were like, no, because we were going to have to leave. We were going to try to leave early because our flights were like changing. And we were because we never booked our travel based on like, let's stay for the award ceremony. Because like I said, we never thought about the award ceremony. And then I remember somebody was like, man, you guys are going to leave out? Like you guys are not going to. We were like, well, you know. We had booked it to leave and they were like, well, I think you guys should probably stay because you never know. Like, what if you guys win an award? You guys have gotten a pretty good response. And so actually a group of us didn't make it to the award ceremony because they weren't able to change their flights. So if, if the whole crew that was there didn't even stay, I remember Robbie and those guys had to leave the next morning early before the award ceremony. So that's how 
we were that's how unfocused we were like on the fact that we would even be eligible to even win the awards but um we went to the award ceremony we got there and you know in true series first fashion you guys are class class act y'all had the best food we was like we was <laughs> oh snap they got the gourmet food they had the good orange juice we were like like it was just it was just you know it was well put together it was just a it was just so beautiful and kids coming from new york city where we were at we were just so happy every step of the way the way you guys put that festival together, not only with the level of elegance and class, but like the, the family environment that you guys created. Like it wasn't like you guys were this higher up founders and, you know, CEOs who are running this company and, uh, and the producers and the people putting together. It felt like everybody was was accessible. It felt like people were able to be helpful. I remember I forgot my jacket one day and Randy just drove me back to my hotel and I'm like, dad, this is the lady who runs the festival. She's like, hey, you want to go back and get your jacket? And like, at that point, you guys didn't really know me. She was just being helpful to a creative at her yeah. festival, you know? And so to see that, um, you guys always had that spirit about you guys. And so we were happy just to be a part of that that day. And then it came to, to the um, awards. And at the first award, they were like best actor. And then they called up Ian Duff. And that's when I was like, I was in tears because I was like, wow. Something that I created is like, this guy's winning a best actor for. And like, he's up at the stage. And in, in my mom, like, wow, like, I'm... I'm just like, this is this is as, as much as it's going to be. This is as high as I'm going to feel about this. And then you guys did another award. And then we won, I believe, um, Best Drama. And then we won the Audience Award. And then we won Best Director. And uh, the whole time, even when they're winning awards that I can go up to get, I was telling the other guys to go. I was like, hey, go up and get it. So they were all going up to get the awards. And then everybody at our table besides me had an, like, had an award that they were holding. And then it was the last award that they were like, the oh the best pilot it was the best pilot was the last one that you guys right. that you guys did and then that's when we won the drama part and everybody's like yo you gotta go up now like this is like you know this is written to go up and I just remember going up there and I was like I was just in tears because I was like wow and the crazy thing about it I don't know if you remember this Kelly that award ceremony that year was on July second it was on I my remember. birthday. I remember and, that. Yeah. And so this whole story started with me being arrested on my birthday. Like you can't make this stuff up. Like I was in tears because I was crying and I'm like the greatest, the, the memory that I had most about my birthday was going to jail. Hmm. Like that was just something that stood out more than any toy I had ever gotten or any dinner because like I just remember that day of being in jail and being like, dang, I'm in jail on my birthday. Like and every time I had thought about my birthday, like that, that memory would come up. And since the festival, like it really has been replaced. Like it was like that, it's almost like recovered that memory for me hmm. where it was like, it got to repurpose something. And it was like, now when I think about it, like us starting our careers off, you know, in, in, in the industry as in mainstream, I should say in a way, really started that day, you know, on my birthday at Series Fest because that that uh, that opened up doors for us. And so that was, a, that was a fantastic moment. I was like, wow, we went home with so many awards. We were like, who's going to hold it? Like, yeah, we won four awards that year. You guys got us a, a bunch of press that also came with that as well. Like we were featured in Hollywood Report, I believe, and uh, IndieWire, Pace Magazine. And there was there was a few other things that, you know, if we never had that type of like features and different stuff like that or any interviews, uh, we made a tremendous amount of relationships. And so we got back to L.A. and it was like a new L.A. to us. We was like, all right, cool. Now we're like getting calls from agents and stuff. We're like, oh. Oh, wow. Like we, we, we welcome into the uh, community now. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, you just touched on, you, you got back to LA mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you're getting calls from agents. So what happens? What's the process from 
Series Fest and two, you have sold up north. Right. And tell me, what was that like? Yeah, it's a, it was it was like a roller coaster for us because um, obviously there's the excitement of getting back. And, you know, you have some interest, right, that we're like, you know, agents are hearing about what happened. People from Series Fest that were executives or just friends of people like the festival, the community of the festival was really good to us. Right. Mm-hmm. Because there's, there's, there's the actual festival and there's the screening as that. But it's the way that the people that you guys invite and the way that you guys invite them to be a part of that community was really, really good to us because it was so many people that we met at screenings who were like, hey, my boy represents people over here. Like the community was like advocating for us. So a lot of that is kind of how we got connected to to a lot of uh, different agencies. We met Cheryl Bayer um, there right. as well. Right, Cheryl, who, yeah. Who, yeah, Cheryl's, Cheryl's been a tremendous, you know, uh, blessing to us. You know, she, mm-hmm. she opened up a lot of doors to agencies and took us to a few different places. And so we went to a lot of different places. There was a lot of excitement. And then we start to take out up north. There was a lot of interest in it. And then things kind of slowed down a little bit because, like, there's this idea of, like, what is the pilot? Like, is it a finished pilot? Should it be redeveloped? Right. Is it just a proof of concept to something that should be completely thrown away? And, and you guys have brought it this far, but we need to kind of can it and then we need to start over. So there was there was a lot of conversations for us. We're like, you know, you're in, a, you're in a unique situation because you feel like, wow, I just got these awards for it and it's being celebrated. But then when you take it out to different places, right, it, it, people might not be receiving it that well. Or if they do, they might undervalue it and like what it's worth. And so, you know, we went through we went through a lot of a lot of different ups and downs with the whole process of kind of selling up north. Um, and then it was interesting because we owned it. We owned up north because prior to us selling it, we got an opportunity to buy out our first investor which is an opportunity he brought to me. You know, he, he was moving on to do some other business investment and we were able to buy him out of his portion of it. So at that point, um, my group retained 100% of up north at that point. And so that was really interesting because when you start in television, you usually don't start in a place of ownership. So it's like, you know, how much of it are we going to retain? We don't want to sell it 100% and become employees of something that we just owned 100%. So, right. you know, even, the, even the, the logistics around that was was pretty weird. And so there wasn't a lot of movement for some time. For some time, we really just sat still. And I remember my office. I think you visited that office before we had on Sunset. Yep. Um, yeah. And so we were there and we had like a big writer's room board up there. And it was like our, our team was sitting there and we were like, look, Maybe we relied on agents and managers and lawyers and stuff too much. Maybe we lost our independent spirit. Like maybe we lo- we forgot who those guys were who wrote this script when we weren't being paid and who went to find the financing when everybody said we shouldn't do this and who caught Series Fest and pleaded with them to watch a pilot when they were already headed to the end. And the guys who went stayed in the hotel floors like, you know, we, we, we because we were like going inside of these buildings and we were like feeling like things were moving. We started to kind of not be like the scrappy people anymore. Like right. we had a meeting one day in our office and we was like, look, we got we got here because of that hustle and we're going to remain here because of that hustle. And so I remember Chike Okwanko, who was working with us at mm. that time, he had stood up in the office and he was like, what do we want to retain in this? Like, what what is it that we're looking for? Like, are we just looking for a deal because we could have tried to have a development deal or this type of deal? But what is it that we're looking for? And so number one on the list was like, we wanted to retain ownership of what we had. And there weren't many people who were going to allow us at the table to do that for whatever reason. It just wasn't going to be many people. So we started to make a list. And the top of that list was Byron Allen. 
and his company because he had he often speaks of like you know creators retaining ownership particularly people of color and wanting black people to own this, their content uh and chike put byron allen at the top of the list and we were like how are we going to get to him and chike said well look this is a long shot but I know a girl who met Byron Allen's mom, who Byron Allen's mom was interested in a book that she had written. And I don't know that the deal went through, but she had met her. I haven't talked to this girl in a long time, but maybe we call her up and we just ask her, hey, look, is there any way that you can introduce us to Byron Allen's mom? And he was, and I'm like, wow, would you be willing to call her? He's like, look, we don't got much choices now. So he calls up the girl. She comes to our office and this woman is uh is more than open to introducing us to Carolyn Folks, who's Byron Allen's mom. And she says, look, I don't know much what's gonna happen, but I can make the introduction. And so Chike uh, made that introduction, set up a meeting, and she basically told us, look, I can't help you. Byron is too busy. And we're not wow. really and we're not really buying independent television at this point, but you get you've gotten recommended by a wonderful woman. And I'm willing to take the time to hear you guys out, maybe give you guys some advice and come down to the office. And we were happy to do that. So we went down to uh, Entertainment Studios and it was about six of us at the time. We, we were pretty deep. And she's like, wow, you guys brought the whole company here. It was like our assistants, our whole creative team, you know, everybody, we were all there. And, uh, and we had a good meeting for like the first half an hour. And then Byron starts to walk past the office and he's going to the bathroom. And she says, hey, Byron, come here for a second. I know you're in the meeting. I know you're doing your things. And these guys weren't expecting you to pop in, but you're walking by. They speak very highly of you. Can you just meet these guys? And he's like, well, what's going on? And they're like, we're talking the story and we tell them everything. And he's like, well, listen, let me let me go tell these guys that I need 15 minutes because I'll give you guys 15 minutes just to hear what you have to say. Wow. So he gets out and he goes back and we're like, this is the shot. Like, you know, <laughs> he is kicking me under the table. Everybody's yeah. like, Chike's grabbing my leg. I'm like, all right, cool. It's, it, it's on. And they looking at me like, boy, when you come in here, when he come in here, you better start selling. You better, yeah. you know what I mean? You got 15 minutes. So he comes in, he sits down and he's like, so look. What is this? Where did it come? And basically, at this point, I gave him the fastest three minute spill that I just gave you over 20 minutes, which is like started right. here, went here, did this, did this. Here we are. This is what we're trying to do. We were in the room. Your name was on the board. And here we are hit, sitting here with you. And we don't think it's by chance. And this is the honest God truth, uh, Kaylee. Byron didn't leave the meeting to three hours later. No way. Three three hours later. Three hours completely straight. We, we stayed with it. Even they came back at him and said, the guys are still waiting for you. He said, listen. Push it back a half an hour, a half an hour. Then he said, cancel it. We stayed in that meeting for three hours with wow. him. And we had left with a shake hand agreement that he would figure out a way to purchase up north and to do everything. And that was that like, his mother is is right even now to this day is like not only a mentor to me, but a really good friend to me because it was all because of her pushing. Like she made sure that he came in there. When 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 things started rolling, she like pushed back the other meeting. She made sure that he hadn't, you know, kept kept engaged inside of everything. And then at the end of it, she just said, look, our company needs this. Like mm. our company needs this and something about these guys' spirit and the way they speak with conviction and the way they really committed to telling this story with authenticity. I want to do business with these guys. Obviously the legal and the paperwork and the money, we didn't speak at that time, but we said, if we could figure out that we shook on each other's hands that we would try to figure it out. Um, and they did, you know, about a few weeks later, we actually signed the deal um, where they For purchased how many, the pilot. Yeah, how many episodes or what What was the deal? So so the deal was originally that they purchased the rights to the pilot, which we still own 50% of. So we own 50% of the, the pilot and any of the back-end proceeds, which is 
a phenomenal deal when you think about yeah. television and, and yeah. coming in that way. Um, and then he ordered the additional seven episodes, which would have then been a, a, a eight episode season one. Wow. Um, so he ordered eight scripts and then he also fully funded the development of those eight scripts. So me and our whole team went back to New York for several times. We opened up the writer's room there. We've actually, we did the writer's room from the prison again. So we, they allowed us back in there to do the, to run the writer's room for the eight episodes there. Um, at the time we were working with, um, Damon John as well on his project. And so mm. we were doing half of our writer's room from the prison and the other half of it, we were running from the shark group because he gave us the penthouse at the, uh, where, where he runs his shark group at and allowed us to do the entire writer's room outside of the prison there. Like we were just, people were just opening up doors for us and we were just really just being blessed and, and, you know, receiving it and trying to steward those relationships well. And so we turned in those uh, those seven additional episodes and we thought they were really strong and the studio really responded to the, to it as well. Um, we even started to bring in a line producer as well. And this is maybe like around January of 2020, like going into 2020. And then obviously everything with COVID hit mm. and then it was just like, it was just a little bit of a slowdown. I mean, still to this day, I'm just like, wow. Um, so you but, guys you know, haven't shot any of uh, episode two no, or anything yet? No. Mm -mm. And are you all written, all done? Wow. And are you planning to go into production or are you guys just on hold with clearly everything that's going on? Yeah, we on hold, Kelly. Like, yeah. I wish I could say more. You know, that's my baby. Yeah, I, wish I, could, I wish I could give you some breaking, exciting news and be like, man, but like, it just has been like one hold after another and yeah. then the COVID protocols. And then it's just, you know. Well, it's expensive. It's really expensive to go shoot right now. And, you know, you have been through such a journey. I have no doubt that you're going to end up getting to make the full season uh, yeah, eventually yeah. when it's safe to do so. And it's incredible. You have all all other seven episodes written and, and ready to go. Well, you know, the, the other thing I, I went through, um, I don't I don't want to use that word because I think I, I, there's some people who go through a lot more than what we went through and just selling a TV show is at the end of the world. Or making of course. So I won't say that I went through a bit of a depression, but there was a there was a time of being so close to that work where I was really down about mm. it not progressing the way that I wanted to. But, you know, what, what's kind of been like the saving grace in that is like when you look at the people that were a part of up north and what that project has done for individual careers. Yeah. Like it is way bigger than any of like us just doing that series. Like yeah. Ian Duff is on his way to being a bona fide star. I've always believed that he was and that he is. But like he's actually putting that work in, you know, he's he just got finished recurring on New Amsterdam. Um, yep. I'm not sure if you guys caught him on that, but he did a phenomenal job on that. Uh, Macro did a, a pilot for TNT, which he was a lead inside of that uh, as well. Um, he has another show that he's doing right now for the CW. He just had a leading role in Judas and the Black Messiah, which wow. is obviously now Oscar nominated in, in a variety of different categories. And when you think about it, he started an up north. He literally like had like a, a background role before the day that we actually, you know, cast him there. And so, you know, obviously he went and he earned all of his job, his jobs and he had to go do that work. But the, the momentum that he received from New York is, is um, from up north is just was just powerful. It just it opened up many doors for him to be able to continue to go in that. Eric Branko, our DP. Yeah. Is doing phenomenal. The, the, the year prior to that, he did Clemency. Um, which was a prison movie, which won Sundance right after right after we went to Series Fest. Um, and he'll tell you, and I, you should, guys should definitely speak to him a little bit more about it, but the up north footage is what helped him to actually pitch for that. Wow. So it was the fact that we had a prison television show that he was able to go see. And I remember him coming to us in the editing room and saying, hey, can I get some footage? It was before we even finished editing the pilot. 
And we mm. allowed him access to that. And he was able to use that as a proof of concept as to why he should DP this, this feature film, which is going to be a prison feature film. And so he does that. They win Sundance. He comes back again last year and the 40-year-old virgin wins Sundance Best Director. So he's he's a DP of two Sundance winners, you know, back to back. And when you look at his career now, he's he's a working DP, he just finished a, uh, a television show for HBO. He's just got offered another feature film job. I mean, the stories just go on. Chris Lofton, who's the lead, who goes into Rackers Island with uh, with Trey, he just got cast as a lead for uh, Power's new spinoff. Uh, oh, that's Power great. Force. That's awesome. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I mean, Gabriel as well. I mean, he's just he's on Hawaii Five O. If you look at the, the list of the people of that core cast and that core crew member, you're gonna see success in many different ways, and so. You know, that helps me to look at it. When I see these careers, when I see these young guys going to buy houses and taking care of their families and changing the legacy of their family because their careers are, uh, are really, are really blossom. And the fact that we all are able to say that a part of that has started with Up North and, and with Series Fest, you know, there's no way for us to lose from that experience. Like we've already gained, no matter what happens, you know, moving forward, we, we've gained tremendously. Well, I think you're missing also someone on that list, which is you, because it's not like you've been sitting here just working on up north the past, you know, three right, or four years. Right. I mean, tell Absolutely. me what else, what you've been doing the past, you know, three years outside of writing seven episodes for Byron Allen for your TV show right. that you created and held on to and made happen. It's well, a big, it's big deal. It is. It is. I mean, we've been we've been blessed. You know, Ian is my writing partner. Um, mm. and he has, he, he does, he lifts h half of the weight on all that we got going on for our company election giants. And, um, and I'm glad to have a partner like him to be able to, you know, get things done and be able to focus on so many different things. But yes, obviously since, since series fest, we've probably been paid to, you know, write at least 12 different projects. Wow. Um, and obviously, you know, we have the, the seven from, uh, from Byron Allen's company, but Blumhouse gave us a deal, uh, and the bit, the deal that I had with them was a blind script deal and that I was really grateful for because, you know, coming out of Series Fest, um, they didn't have to really, you know, they didn't have to look at that pilot as it was a finished work. And they did. Like Blumhouse really loved that and they valued what they saw in an independent project enough to say this guy can go and do it again at a higher level. And some other places were saying, well... I, you know, I don't know if that's a if that's a full pilot because it hasn't aired yet. Or let's wait to see what it does. This they were like, no, we loved it. We responded to it, and they gave a, a blind script deal. And that blind script deal uh, eventually landed on a project called Empire on Blood, which is based off of a popular podcast by hmm. a New York journalist, Steve Fishman. Through that relationship at Blumhouse, when she set up her next her her, her next venture, Atmosphere Entertainment, um, who's Mark Canton's company. Mm -hmm. And Mark Kitten is the executive producer of Power. He's the one who put that power together with Courtney Kemp and 50 Cent. They were like the kind of the three-headed monsters that, that that first started that Power universe, which has kind of exploded now. They got like, what, four different spinoffs of Power right now. So he um, he led that. He has a project right now called Big and Tall, where they are telling Biggie Small's story, but they're telling the origin of his story. So they're basically, it's the, his rise into fame. So we kind of start with the young Biggie. Um, a teenage Biggie who meets his best friend, Girat. And so we've taken a deep look into this real love relationship between two young brothers who build this career and, and, and go through a bunch of different sacrifices. So that's been fantastic. We have another deal that, that actually came by way of Series Fest, my good people over at Series Fest. So 
you guys called me up and, uh, and you know, Randy reached out and said that there was a project um, with, um, with I Am Chromatic and the Chromatic Black uh, community and Angela and Abini and those guys over there who are fantastic producers who, who we love as well. And so you guys made a connection with us, with those guys, and they were looking for writers of, the, of a series called Black Ball, which is based on the, 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 the Negro League Baseball League. So, you know, having those relationships, once again, like I said, just that community that you guys invited us to is still still paying off. And so, you know, we have I that. Love that. It's just been a tremendous journey. And like I said, um, not only creatively, but like coming from our communities, I know I keep stressing that, but, you know, I want to be able to be able to influence, you know, young, young guys from our community where like for us, it's one thing to be able to say you're creating these shows and you, and you have this opportunity, but bigger than that is outside of the arts. It's like, what do you, what, we're able to change the trajectory of our communities and our families through this process like that has mm. been the most rewarding thing for me you know like incredible yeah creating the shows is all good but like when you see these guys going to buy houses a lot of us is buying houses as the first people in our family to ever own homes mm. or, to, or to ever do you know ever send their kids to private school or and then once you be able to do that and you're able to change your, your zip code and you're able to change your education and then you're able to offer your family a new opportunity the whole the whole community and the whole family changes because of these opportunities so you know, the level of gratitude that, that guys like us have, you, you can't even, you can't even imagine. You did the hard work on putting together such an incredible series. And, um, and I'm curious, you know, a lot of our listeners are also creatives and creators like you. What's a piece of advice that you would give to them about going and selling a show after you've made, you know, a, an independent pilot? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the one thing I would say is like the relationships, like you have to have some really strong, strong relationships, you know, like it's never going to be easy. It's never going to be handed to you. You know, you, there is no promises that anybody can make. I don't care if they're like A-list producer, agent, you know, you, you're right. going to, this is going to, it's going to be a journey. It's going to be difficult. But, um, if you're doing something that you're passionate about, and, and you have some some trusted people around you. Like I had a phenomenal team. I only mentioned those guys that I mentioned because those are probably like my little brothers. I talk to those guys every day you yeah. know, and, and, and my brothers. But there's, there's, there's so many different other people. You know, shout out to the entire Up North team. There isn't one person that didn't do more than what they were required to do um, because they believed inside of the project. So I'm, I'm very thankful to those guys. But I would just say surround yourself with the right team. Surround yourself with some soldiers because you're going to go into battle. You know, you need those mm -hmm. people that are going to uphold you. You need those people. Like I say, for Chike, if it wasn't for Chike and his tenacity when I was growing weary, you know, yeah. I was I was growing fatigued. You know, I wasn't I wasn't always the, you know, I, the unofficial leader of the group. People call me and I'll, I'll take it if that's if that's if that's the title. But that doesn't mean that, you know, I always had the, the most upbeat, you know, outlook on what was going on. Sometimes I was growing really fatigued being being that person who was always speaking the most mm -hmm. and going and do these different things like it wears on you sometimes you know it's right. like but you surround yourself with a good team surround yourself with people who really believe in you and who have uh, a skill set that is different than yours um and i think that the building the right team is the is the most important thing is what i would say you know the other things you know you don't know it's you don't know how the people are going to respond I, I you know you can go places and people love it but they don't want to give you a horrible deal and you go places and people we we heard often that People had their urban show. That's, right. That's a lot what we what we heard. They were like, well, we have our like black show. And we were like, wow, like this is really a thing where it's like 
you're not going to take more than one because you have or more than two. And it was this criteria. So you, you, you're going to meet some things regardless of whoever you are. But if you have that, that, that team that has that tenacity and that, that strong glue, and, and you guys have that like that that will to win. I believe that was like our strongest asset was like that will to win. Like we would not let each other lose and we were going to hold each other up at the time. If you have that team, I think you'll get to where you got to get to. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you recognize that, you know, clearly we can say you created your pilot and then you went and uh, sold it. But there was so much in between and that you recognize Absolutely. how difficult it was at moments um, and I love that you mentioned Chike. I love Chike and that Me he too. lifted you up. Um, sure. But I'm curious, is there anything else during that time when you got really frustrated and felt like you wanted to throw in the towel that you did that kept you thriving? Because I think sometimes in, in, in this industry, well, everything takes so long and we think like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to go create this pilot and yep. I'm going to premiere it at Series Fest and then someone's going to see it and they're going to sell it or buy it. And then it's going to be, you know, on the air next fall. And that's just not the way it clearly works. Right. So what was the, what else was it for you that kept you going in moments where you didn't want to and you were ready to just move on to the next project or give up? Absolutely. So for me, and, and like this, this I'll give you guys my experience and I guess it can influence, you know, for people for for their own particular life. For me as a man of faith, like my faith is very strong. Mm. Like I, I believe in my, like having a purpose and, and when you, and when you've been purposed to do something, I, I really don't believe there's much that could get in the way of that. Like there can be challenges and obstacles that come in there, but I, I really believe that I was created to tell this story and that this was my appointment. And that there were things that would happen that would just solidify that, like that no matter what people in suits and buildings and nice manicured office would say to me, like, I was like, you can't take away that this happened. Like, even being at Series Fest, like, that day being my birthday. Yeah. Now, some people might just believe in coincidence and all, but I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Like, I yeah. remember being handcuffed on my birthday. I remember sitting in the jails and having to get into violent fisticuffs with people immediately on my birthday and then telling the story and going back inside this prison and the difficulties of getting it there and to get it to there, to be on this stage, to be on that stage that day on my birthday, like it was it was recalling the past of what you've kind of been through that really let me know that I was gonna get to where I was gonna get to. Because I'm like, mm. this, 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 this cannot be set up just for me to be like, oh wow, it was a coincidence. Can you believe that that yeah. happened? I'm like, I've always saw it like this is a divine appointment and that you have to keep continuing to do that. And because a struggle like of going to city jail had propelled so much success. Like it was nothing that was gonna knock me over at that point. Hmm. Because I was like, all right, cool. I've been through as worse as I could get through. You right. know, going to these nice Beverly Hill buildings is not is not really that intimidating to me for anybody to tell me no. I've heard no every single step of my life, every single way of my life. So it was just more fuel to the fire. So be it, having that sense of purpose and having having that faith, um, as well having a good team. You know, my manager, Chris Uvain, Jenna Sarkin and that, and that whole company over at Management 360, man, those guys, I'm, I'm, Chris is like a brother to me. You know, Jenna is very close to me. Like having the right representatives who were staying with me during those times, you know, right. who were just like, really like, look, we have a long game plan email, right? This isn't, this isn't, this isn't going to be a microwave career. We're not just looking to have this happen overnight. You had some success. Okay, cool. But now let's build this out properly. Let's, let's get these right relationships. Let's do it. And like, Having those guys as well was really, was really important. So I would say really find the right representation. 
I didn't know that. I didn't know how important the relationship with your representation was when I first started uh, Kelly. Like I was like just looking to be represented by the big names. So I would say like really try to find the representatives that know you, that that really are in sync with who you are and what you want to do and how you're wired. Like, you know, my representatives, they take that time to kind of really get to know who I am as an artist and who I am as a person so that they can properly serve me and represent me the right way. Um, when, when I first left Series Fest, I was just like, wow, these are the top agents, agencies. Let's go to these guys. Let's, let's run to these different things. And as you start to mature, you realize that the relationship is more important than the actual building and in the, the, and the company name. And, um, and I've been able to be represented by some really good people. I've been blessed in that way. And so having those guys there, a lot of the relationships that they introduced me to a year and a half ago are materializing now. Matt Einstein, who Jenna and Chris introduced me to for Tradition Pictures that we're doing a deal with for Flint 6, that was, they introduced me to him for another project that mm. didn't work out. But yet we kept going to lunch and Chris was like, hey, you guys are kindred spirits. You know, keep that around. Like, keep 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 building that. Keep keep uh, making sure that you build on that relationship. And ultimately it led to these things. And so um, take just know it's going to be a, it's going to be a journey. But yeah. you are still you're still building blocks day by day. Right. You know, just because you don't see it, it's all going to come together at the right time. But be, but, but know that as you build in those blocks, that, that you will get to that building, you will get to that house that you're trying to build and that career will last. And I think it's better like that because you have a, 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 a strong foundation for like a really strong career that you could you can build on for a long time. So, you know, that would be my that would be my uh, my advice. I think that's great advice. Um well, before we hop off, I just have one last question for Absolutely. you. If you could have worked on any television series in history, what would it have been and what would you have done on it? Oh, that's easy. The Wire. Oh, The Wire. Okay. Yeah, The Wire. Man, um, you know, I would have loved to, loved to play one of the roles in The Wire. I, it, was, it was a television show that I actually auditioned for. I auditioned oh, for the, wow. the role of Marlo which went to um, phenomenal actor Jamie Hector, who's also from New York. So shout out, shout out to Jamie. And that, that role was written for him. But yeah, I just love The Wire. Like, um, I love what it represented at that time, like when it, when it came out. And it was a good representation of the Black community and some of the struggles that they go through. But I just love the way that they, that they had so many different stories at one time. Like even now, when I, when I write, I, I still am heavily influenced uh, by The Wire. And, you know, actually, if you go back to, you know, The Wire wasn't a popular show while it was on HBO. It actually was one of the lowest rating shows. It, it, it didn't really, it didn't blow up until it was canceled and was off the air. But it, it, it proved to last, you know, time. Yeah. People started to watch it and it started to really grow this community around The Wire, like after its original, um, you know, airings and different things like that. So, you know, for many reasons. One, I just loved it. Like, I saw myself in those different characters. I was like, wow, like. Seeing those young African-American kids on TV every week was like, it encouraged me to know that there was a place for us. Um, and then the storytelling was just phenomenal. It was, it was just phenomenal the way they went to different, they had like almost like a hundred lead characters in that series. I don't know how they weaved it in and out because they had so many different worlds. And so, yeah, I love that show. That, that, that's, that's, definitely the, that's definitely the one. Amazing. Well, Emil, thank you so much for doing this. I always love chatting with you. And um, I really appreciate it and appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Say hello to your family. Say hello to the Series Press community. And uh, anytime you guys call, I'm there. I really appreciate you uh, giving me the platform to share my story. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode. 
SiriusFest is a nonprofit organization, and our work would not be possible without our incredible board of directors, staff, and partners who make programs like this podcast possible. We have ongoing competitions, initiatives, and mentorship programs year-round, so please check us out at SiriusFest.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up-to-date on announcements. This episode was edited by Neil Trulio with original music by Adam Westbrook. <laughs>